Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Amen. Well, you all may be seated. Let us pray. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. And, Lord, we, as we hear that scripture week after week, Lord, may it become even more true. And may it not just become something that we hear, but may it become part of who we are. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, one of the things uh, that, that you probably know about our the Tiger family is that we love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it's uh, one of our favorite things. And so I'm going to, if you haven't seen the movie Infinity War, you've had a couple of years, all right? But I'm going to tell you a little bit without trying to spoil things completely, all right? So in there, there's this bad guy by the name of Thanos, and he's like this super bad guy who is stronger than, I mean, like... It takes all of the Avengers to, to defeat him, all right? And so at the last mo- in Infinity War, there's this huge battle between Thanos and all of his guys and all of the Avengers. And, and as he kind of fights them one by one, um, one of the main guys is a guy by the name of Thor who comes at him. And Thor throws his axe, his mighty axe called Stormbreaker. All right, I'm trying to remember all these things. All right, and he throws his, his axe and it gets... Thanos right in the chest, uh, what, what should be exactly where you want to hit somebody, right? Um, but, but in the movie, he doesn't have his helmet on, and Thanos says, you should have gone for the head. And he snapped his fingers, and things changed dramatically, right? Like, if there's one thing that we know about, it's that the head is one of the most important things that we have. That the head is something that we should protect at all times. I mean, I think about as a family, we'll go out on some family bike rides and, um, and we wear our, our helmets. It's not because I think this looks cool, all right? But it's because I know that if something bad was to happen to my head, um, that, that bad things would happen all the way around. I mean, it's hard to imagine a battle without wearing a helmet. It's hard to imagine, even I think about football, right? That we wear our football helmets. And I remember every once in a while, you'll see somebody, their, their helmet will be flung off for some reason. And it just looks so wrong to see somebody who's running around with a, a helmet, um, a helmetless head and everybody else with their helmets. And it just worries all of us, right? That this is part of wearing a helmet. It becomes a, a normal part of what we do. And we know that the head is a very important part of the body because the head is the primary place that we perceive and we process the world. It's the primary place that we experience and know the world, right? So think about four of our, of our five senses are located in the head. So our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our nose to smell, our mouth to taste, that, that our primary ways that we perceive the world are all found up here, but also it's where our brain is and where we process the world. And so we know that if uh, I think about all the concussions in, in football and, and how important the head is, 
And we know that if you're going to go into a battle, one of the essential parts is to have a helmet that will protect you and that a helmet is what you will need. And so I think we all know the need for a helmet, but why is it called the helmet of salvation? What is it about a helmet of salvation that will save us? And so um, as a staff, we were talking about it and they looked up salvation in the dictionary. Often we think about salvation in the church um, being saved uh, by God, but what does the word salvation mean? And so it means this, preservations or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. That that is what salvation is, preservation or deliverance from harm or ruin or loss. And so what I want to do is, is look at a, a text from 1 Peter chapter 1, because it really talks about this idea of, of, of salvation, and I think it talks about it in more ways than one. And so this is what Peter writes in this letter. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not, see, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so really the scripture, it talks about sort of two movements of salvation, that there are actually two ways in which you and I experience the salvation. Now the first is the way that most of us think about salvation is that we will be saved from this life to the next life, is that the movement is from earth to heaven. That, that you and I, that when we die, we will be taken up in glory and be with God forever. That this is the first movement of salvation, is that we will be saved from the misery of this world, that when we die, we will get to be in heaven with Jesus forever. And Peter talks about that here. He talks about that we have been born again to a living hope. And so he's using that word born again, salvation. These things are very similar born again to a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very important part because this is where our faith just stands, is on the resurrection of Jesus, is that our whole faith is built upon the fact that because Jesus lived and died and experienced death, that he also experiences resurrection from the dead, and that is a great joy that we have. And so because he has died and rose again, we can be rescued from this life and experience it in heaven with him. And so this is what it says in verse four, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And so this is what we believe, is that part of being saved is that this life is not all that there is. Amen to that, right? Especially this, this life that we're in the middle of is not all that there is. And so one of the reasons why we can have hope in, in our world and why we can have this living hope 
It's because we know that suffering doesn't get the last word. We know that death doesn't even get the last word, but that life does. And that because Jesus has risen from the dead, we can be saved, that we can experience salvation. We can experience the rescue or the deliverance from harm and experience salvation with Jesus forever in heaven. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you exactly what heaven's going to look like. I wish I could. Um, but I know it's a place where there is no more sorrow, there is no more tears, and there is no more coronavirus up in heaven for sure. All right? But that's not all there is in salvation. In fact, sometimes we think that's the end of the story, that salvation means that we get to go to heaven when we die. But that's just one of the movements. But in fact, the first movement is actually that heaven can come to earth. The first movement of salvation is about heaven coming to earth, not about us dying and going to heaven, but the reality is that we can experience the real presence and the real love and the real goodness of God while we are here, even and especially in the midst of trials. Because in fact, salvation does not mean that we will not experience trials, but it means that we won't go through them alone And it means that they are redeemable. I mean, this is what he said. He said this, in this you rejoice. This is verse six. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And this is true, that you've been grieved by various trials. So that, what's the purpose of all this? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so here is what it's saying, is that, is that when we go through these trials, whatever they may be, and, and I would imagine that for each of us watching this or, or, or listening to this, we have our own trials that we've gone through. Um, but, but God has the ability to form us into the people that he wants us to be. be. And so often we think about trials, about things that have happened to us that we don't like. But God has the ability to take these things and to help us learn from them and grow from them and to become the people that he wants us to be. And I love what it says in, in verse 8, especially for those of us now. We don't have Jesus walking around, um, but, but we can experience the presence of God. It says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is that when we walk through the storms, and we're going to walk through these trials, is we do not walk through them alone, and we have the joy that comes from Jesus. And so part of why we have to wear the helmet of salvation is because we know that we are going to go through trials, is that if we do not put on the salvation of Jesus and to promise not only that we're going to go to heaven when we die if we believe in Jesus, but that we can experience heaven on earth, then we will experience pain and sorrow and suffering. And so here's really what I believe, is that the helmet of salvation is the promise of Jesus. It's the presence of Jesus And it's the purpose of Jesus. And so it's the promise of Jesus that that we will um, be with him forevermore. um, And that that we can take heart because he has overcome the world and that we can be with him in paradise. But it's also the presence of Jesus that when we walk through these things that we know that we are not alone. In fact, that's part of the, the great joy in the midst of this terribleness of a season that we are in. Is that even though a lot of us are alone in our homes 
is that we are not alone because Jesus is with us and often we find it through the people of God. One of the, the great things that's been really encouraging to me is just the, the text or the cards or the other things that I'll get um, that, that just lets people know, hey, Aaron, you're not alone. I'm thinking and I'm praying for you. And that's one of the best things we can do as the people of God is to remind people that they're not alone. But also it is the purpose of Jesus. You see, we follow somebody who went through the greatest tribulation possible. Jesus willingly went through suffering and even death so that we can experience life. And this is the model. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross and you must follow me. You must bear the burdens. You must go through the fire. Because on the other side, there's something more beautiful. On the other side, there is the goodness. And so I do think that there is a purpose for not just this trial that we're going through, um, but every trial. And so God wants us to wear the helmet of salvation so that every day when we go through the battle, we have on the promise of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and the purpose of Jesus. And another way that I can kind of understand this is, is thinking about our own salvation. And that's this, is that we were saved, all right? That, that we experienced salvation. We are saved, all right? So the moment that you and I said yes to Jesus Christ is that we experienced salvation, that we were one with God, all right? We are being saved. We are becoming more like Christ more and more each day, especially when we go through trials. And we will be saved that one sweet day we will be with Jesus united in heaven. And so all these things are true as it talks about the manner of salvation. And so this is what salvation is. It's about heaven coming to earth and eventually earth going up to heaven. But what do we do now in the midst of this already not yet world? And so Peter answers that for us in verse 13. And this is what he says. He says, therefore, and so because of all this, because of our salvation, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you will also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." And so he invites us to prepare our minds, that we have to have our minds oriented on the right way, on the way of following Jesus. Now, the way of Jesus is not the easy way. I mean, if we thought the easy way was following Jesus, then we didn't pay attention to him walking to the cross. But the easy way is not the way of Jesus, but it's the best way. It's the holy way. And so he wants us to orient our minds, to set our minds on that, and to set our hope fully on his grace and on his goodness. That because he has conquered death, he can conquer whatever we are going through. And then he tells us to be obedient children. Now, none of us want to be obedient children, do we? Um, my kids are, are in the room today. And, and uh, you know, they don't always do exactly what I tell them to do. It's shocking, I know. But if you were a child, you don't do exactly what you're told to do. And in fact, none of us really do exactly what we are told to do. We have a mind of our own, don't we? But we don't like being told what to do. I don't know. There's this human nature part of us that says that no. But, but part of what we as the people of God have to learn is to say yes to God's plan. 
because it's better than our plan. But so many of us are consumed with being our own God that we won't listen to wisdom from God. We're so convinced that I'm going to do things my way, right? Isn't that a song by Frank Sinatra, my way? I did it my way. We're so consumed with being our own God that I'm in charge of myself that we struggle to be obedient to the wisdom that comes from God. And this is really a tough thing for each and every one of us. It's not just tough for kids, but it's tough for adults. I'm a United Methodist pastor, and so it was about a year ago that, that it was announced that I was going to be coming right here to Mustang United Methodist Church. My Facebook memories popped up this week and told me some of those things. Um, and so it's uh, one of the things that, that I have chosen to do through our life is to live under the authority of the, the bishop and the Oklahoma Methodist Conference. And I remember when I was in seminary, and things are easier in seminary a lot of times because it's theoretical and not practical. Because I remember sitting in a seminary class, and this also popped up into my Facebook memories here recently, that said, one of the good things about being a Methodist pastor is that you learn to live under authority. And, living under, and learning to live under authority is not a bad thing. And so here, when the bishop says go, I and our family, we moved to Mustang. And we had moved to Tulsa, and we had moved to Muldrow. And it's a really strange experience to have somebody else make the important decisions on your life. But it's been good practice for me to learn how to live under authority. And, and, and that's a hard thing because, again, we all have our own will. But in the midst of this, we see God's goodness. Now, the bishop is not always perfect. The, the conference is not always perfect. There's not always perfection. But there is goodness that happens when we say, Lord, I want your wisdom. Lord, I, I think I want to do this, but can you show me the way that leads to life? And that's part of what it means to be saved, is that we have the same mind of Christ Jesus. And most often, how do we know what the wise thing is to do? Um, and most often, it comes whenever we see, is this loving my neighbor? Is this helping me to become the person that Jesus would want me to become? And is this adding to life all around us? And so my friends, I don't always know what the wise thing is to do. And sometimes I still do what I want to do because that's who we are. But I pray that we will be people who will seek the mind of Christ. And that as we put on the helmet of salvation, he will protect us and he will guard us and he will guide us. And that you can experience heaven on earth because one sweet day, we'll get to experience heaven in heaven. Let us pray. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that, that, that we have said yes to you. And Lord, if there's somebody who hasn't said yes to you, if they've been trying their own path and their own will and their own way, Lord, I pray that they would say, you know what? I have been doing it my way, and my way is not working out too well. Lord, I want to do things your way. I want to follow your path. I want to follow your guidance. And so, Lord, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to be with those who are ready to say yes to you so that they can experience, Lord, heaven on earth, that your presence would be with them, that they would have this inexpressible joy that, that Peter describes, that they may know the goodness. And, Lord, that they would also be able to find purpose through the midst of all the trials. Lord, help us as your people to find purpose in the midst of all of our trials. 
And Lord, also we thank you for the promise of Jesus. Lord, that there is this inheritance of heaven, of abundant life that we, can't own, that we can only imagine how good it is. And that you will rescue us. Lord, you rescue us now and you will rescue us forevermore. So Lord, may we live in that salvation. May we trust in that salvation. And may we wear the helmet of salvation that protects us this day and every day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.